Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on another edition of Breaking with Brett Jensen on this Friday night, 704 570 As always, is the telephone number to get in on the show. And guys, make sure you follow me on X at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest and breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. So last night, I played part one of my exclusive interview with CMS Superintendent Dr. Crystal Hill. Tonight is part two. And this interview was very, very extensive. We covered a wide range of topics, topics that I promise you no other reporter in Charlotte were going to ask. And Dr. Hill was so kind with her time, she gave me unprecedented access to her, more than any other media member in Charlotte has ever had access to her. So I really appreciated that. And so over the course of two days, we conducted this interview. So I'm just laying all that out there to let you know how extensive this interview process was. So not long ago, Chief Operations Officer Brian Schultz announced that he's going to retire. So I start the interview asking about Brian Schultz's retirement because he and Dr. Hill go back a long way. So this is how we start the interview with me asking about the Chief Operations Officer, Brian Schultz, retiring. I want to switch to uh, another department and Brian Schultz retiring. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I heard that early last week. Yeah. Um, He, from everyone that I've spoken to, to the old boards, like a couple boards ago, that he is more or less singularly responsible for helping get you the job. Yes, your, your qualifications, your resume, but he really promoted you internally to help you get the job when you first came in as chief of staff. Um, and, then, you know, and then you've progressed, and here you are you know, a year and a half later. So what do you think prompted him to announce, to announce his retirement so early? Well, I'll speak to what you originally said. I was made aware of the position that was here. Actually, I saw it on TV. And at the time, I was looking to change roles. Quite frankly, I did not want to come to Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools. I didn't want to go be in K-12 education, period. I was looking to exit because of everything that happened with the pandemic. So when I heard about the position, I did apply um, for the position. Um, Where I am right now, there is one person that is responsible for me being where I am, and that's my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I, my steps are ordered by him, not by anybody else. So um, no one else helped me get the job. I well, it always on helps. My, it always I stand helps on my, my own two feet. Oh, of now, course, of course. But people will, help on the inside. What I will say about um, Mr. Schultz is um, I've known Mr. Schultz for a really long time, actually. Our paths crossed. Um, one, I went to Cabarrus County Schools for one year as a personnel director. And while I was there that year, he was the elementary director. And our paths crossed in a meeting, and we hit it off right away. Had the same philosophy about doing what's best for kids, all of that. And so, um, and that was, my child was just born. So that was maybe 13 years ago, maybe. 
And so our paths have just crossed in different ways. At that point, um, I left Cabarrus after one year, went back to Mooresville to be a principal. He came here, I believe, to CMS. Then our paths crossed again because I went back to Cabarrus in charge of curriculum. He was in charge of curriculum here. So our paths crossed uh, multiple times. Um, Brian let me know. Um, what, one of the other, I'll just say this, one of the other things that Brian and I quickly learned through a mutual friend is that we weren't smart with our money. <laughs> and what I mean, and I say that as a joke, is that, you know, not understanding our retirement system. Because we as educators just come to work. So, um, you know, Brian and I have always talked about, like, how many more years do you have left? How much money are you putting away? Because if you retire on an educator salary, you're not going to be able to make it. You know, all that kind of stuff. So we always poke fun at each other about that. Um, and our roles, of course, have shifted. You know, when Brian was in Cabarrus for a short time, he was the interim superintendent there. And so I was the CAO, he was my interim superintendent. So, you know, we've just had multiple relationships. Um, he let me know um, quite early that he was considering retirement, calculating his time. And um, I'm just so appreciative of Brian for doing the right thing and letting me know well in advance that he was going to retire. Um, I'm excited about what his future holds. You know, we give up a lot to be in, in this world, and so I'm excited about um, his future. But I'm also excited about the handoff. Um, you just mentioned a $2.5 billion bond is in his area. Transportation is in his area. School nutrition is in his area. So he is the chief of roughly about 10,000 employees um, you know that serve in schools and across the district so it's really important for him to let me know early so we can interview excuse me post interview bring somebody on and the way that I have it planned out is that there will be a three-month hand over hand transition is really important to me and it's really important to our district because of all of the things that we've talked about being destabilized the very last thing that I want is for a chief to walk out the door and not to have somebody that can that can run ship because it's just it's it just creates a really puts us in a really bad position. So um, I'm sad to see Brian leave, but I'm really excited about um, what his future holds and and everything that he has to do. And like I said, just eternally grateful that he did what I wish most professionals would do, and that's give you a really long leadway into when they plan to train. I saw the sixty page document mm -hmm. that was done about the operations and the facilities and building management, oh, yeah. the, the, the audit or the study mm -hmm. that was done. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of things in there that weren't exactly glowing. Yeah. Um, I know that you've got a lot on your plate between changing the learning, learning communities and you know, principals and just everything going on. How do you manage trying to fill what was in that report Mm -hmm. while trying to juggle everything else, while trying to find a new COO. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so one of the things that Brian did with my approval, of course, is he came to me and said, you know, first of all, we're doing this, this audit. I think it's really important to have somebody from the outside come in and do it. They did it, gave us the results. Um, weren't really shocked, you know, about, the, about some of the things. But how to fix it and how to tackle was a totally different thing. So one of the things that Brian did was, he worked with um, an outside consultant that's come in and has said, here's the report, 
here's some things that have worked in other large urban districts across the country. Let's start organizing and doing some things there. So Brian's worked really closely. He's brought all of his um, leadership team in, and they're working together with the consultant to do some, I don't want to say reorg, because it's really not reorg, but it's really just looking at mainly processes and systems. So what are the things that are our biggest pain points, and what are some things that we can do to address it? How are we organized? You know, work orders would probably, anything in building services that impacts the schools would be huge. What are some things that other large urbans are doing that we need to put in place that we don't have in place to address it? Which again is why I wanted that hand over hand with Brian, with the new COO. Because whoever comes in has got to embrace that work. The expectation is not that you come in and look at it and say, nope, we're not doing any of that. No, we've invested in the study. We've invested in the fix. We need some. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's going to be on board to, to carry that work forward. So some really interesting things there about the operations side of CMS. Obviously, the COO, Brian Schultz, announcing that he's retiring, as well as this audit that we I mentioned where 60 pages, the audit was like 60 pages long, and it went into a myriad of things that were either completely wrong with a lot of the buildings or the communications or just the things that are working and not working. I mean, it was very, very extensive, and that was the audit that I'm talking about. When we come back, we're going to finish up my exclusive and very extensive interview with Dr. Crystal Hill. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this special edition of Breaking with Brett Jensen on a Friday night as we get ready to conclude my exclusive and extensive sit-down interview over the course of two days with CMS Superintendent Dr. Crystal Hill. We start in now talking about some personnel stuff and the fact that CMS is short around 500 teachers, give or take. So the first question here is, how does she plan on going about to actually fill those roles, as well as trying to figure out why they're not staying once you actually get them in the system? So here's the conclusion to my interview with Dr. Crystal Hill, CMS superintendent. Short, maybe around 500 teachers. Is that about right? That's correct. Give or take. So short around 500 teachers. Are you, are you trying the same things that you tried maybe last year or this summer to bring in teachers? Are you changing strategies to try and fill these roles? And when teachers leave, are they given like exit interviews and saying, hey, why are you guys leaving? Or like, how, how are you guys going about trying to fill those 500 vacancies? Yeah, so as you know, we have $190 million in ESSER. $60 million is tied to people. And so what we're in the process of doing is evaluating our spend, um, both our operating budget, both our ESSER budget, to figure out what's worked, what hasn't worked, and how can we move positions, not people, Mm -hmm. positions, because we know we're going to have to cut 60, and we also have this deficit. So I I sent um, letters, personalized letters, to every person that's funded through our ESSER dollars at the beginning of the year saying, Thank you so much for your commitment to Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools. We value you. Um, Even though you're in an ESSER role, please don't freak out. Don't quit and go somewhere else. We're going to work really hard to find a place for you. So to answer your question, we're taking a really close look at all of the different pieces. And what we're trying to do is do addition by subtraction. 
That's right. a really hard thing, and you will see that come out in the next several weeks to our budget process. But we feel confident that we will have a plan to fill our teacher vacancies with the help of Nancy Bright. That's why I need her to go over in February with her support and help to lead that effort to make sure that we're not in the situation that we're currently in and that we have been in the last couple of years in terms of teacher when you talk to teachers, are you finding out teachers finding out why they're not staying or why they're leaving? Have you when you're trying to figure out? Okay, we get them, but they're not all staying. Have you found out yeah. why? Well, we do have a general like it's not robust, and so that's one of the other things that I've asked Nancy to work on is really taking a really good look at the employee life cycle, not just when people exit, but like we need to have a pulse on what how people are doing when they first get here like tell us about your onboarding experience you know kind of like you at the customer service you know did you feel like when you got to your school you were well prepared did your principal support you blah 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 so she's working on that generally speaking for um you know a lot of our teachers are retiring so that's thing one we have a great retirement system in north carolina if you were hired before they did some different things at the state so a lot of our teachers are taking advantage of that. We are finding that some of our newer teachers are really having a hard time because they came in as COVID teachers. They only came in knowing how to teach through a virtual aspect. And then when they get to in-person, it, it becomes a little bit difficult. So lots of different reasons. Um, Sometimes pay happens as well. Um, it's expensive to live in Charlotte or the Mecklenburg County um, area. And so while our supplement is really high compared to others, it's just really expensive to live here. But those are some of the reasons, um, generally speaking. And it's just, it is hard to teach. It, it, it's a lot. It's a lot different, certainly when I was in the classroom, even being a principal is really hard. The things that people have to deal with so much now is so much different than it was years ago, which is why, um, I'm really, really tight on making sure that our job is to support principals and to support teachers so they can do what's best for our kids. That's why we're here. It's not for any other reason. And quite frankly, if they're not here, we don't have a job. So we better figure out how to serve them. As you start bringing in people that you are familiar with mm -hmm. and um, people that you've worked with in the past, even your first principal and others, trying to bring people in to maybe change the culture like what were you what are you trying to change internally before you get to the school system mm -hmm. or the schools themselves yeah so i want to be really clear um, my strategy isn't about bringing in new people to enact lots of change that's a terrible strategy a terrible leadership strategy um, i am all about um, bringing in a good mix so i believe that you have to have a core of people that have been in place as well as a core of, uh, excuse me, new people that are coming in that can come together with a united vision. And so that has really um, been my strategy. Um, anybody coming into Charlotte or any, you know, any, new, any new district, there's a huge learning curve. And so if you're bringing new people in and you're not honoring and respecting the culture and what has been here, then you're gonna be in trouble. What I will say about our district is we have experienced successes. The major um, thing that I see with our district is we have operated primarily on a decentralized model. And what I mean by that is we operated primarily as a district of schools instead of a school district. So the strategy in the past had been, you know, you get the strongest principals, teachers, 
um, you know, you hire them, they'll just do what they need to do, which is a great strategy, right? But we think it's a great strategy. But what, and that also um, allows for lots of innovation. But what happens is we found that that innovation has worked, but it hasn't necessarily worked for every single student. And my responsibility is to make sure that we provide a core instructional experience for everybody. Not cookie cutter, but a core experience. Think about if you go to Chick-fil-A or Amazon, right? Like there's a certain level of expectation. What I've learned just being here is the answer is always it depends. So when I talked about asking all those questions, a lot of time the answer is it depends. Depends on what learning community you're in. Depends on who your learning community superintendent is. Mm -hmm. It depends on what this, what that, and that's because the decision making has been very decentralized, but ultimately the superintendent is the one that's responsible. So in my mind, we need to come together and come up with what are our core standard operating procedures, because at the end of the day, I'm the one that's responsible, and I'm not going to be responsible for all of these decisions that are made here that aren't in alignment with my expectations. Last question, on a good note. The been good. Okay, well, I'm, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you think so. In the world of sports, which is my background, yeah. they always say a coach who's hired, brought in, has a five-year plan because he has a five-year contract. If you had a four-year contract, it would be a four-year <laughs> plan. With your plan to get the, the test scores, the graduation rates... Doesn't match, does it? No, I was going to say, and, <laughs> and you know, the vacancies field, just everything. Yeah. The timeline of your plan, I mean, I, when you map it out, you probably have, okay, here are my goals. Mm -hmm. So what are the goal timelines for you to try? And I don't know if anyone could ever achieve getting everything done in the school yeah. system this big, but what are your goal timelines? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so great question. So everything that I do is driven by the board's goals and guardrails. You know, you've heard that over and over again. So the goals that they've adopted start 2024. July 1, 2024, and expire June 30th, 2029. So my strategic plan, our strategic plan, will align with that. And of course, that plan outruns my contract, if it makes sense. Um, my goal this year was to get our runway going straight, so when we start on July 1, we are ready to go and we're in place, which is why we're making a lot of these changes now instead of waiting until the summer. The other reason why we're making the changes now is I'm a strong believer that people need to know what their life is going to be six months from now and don't, don't need the rug pulled out from under them. Um, but so that is basically my goal. In terms of timeline, the first thing that we have to do is get structured and organized correctly because the plan can't be a plan that's built on, it's kind of like building a house. You can't build a, a house on a faulty foundation. Got to figure out what needs to be replaced, get the cracks filled, get everything solid before we can start putting the plan. So that concludes my interview with Dr. Krista Hill. If you missed any part of it, you can go back. If you missed last night's, if you missed earlier today's, go to WBT.com and you can see all the interviews right there. As a matter of fact, I think maybe over the weekend, we're going to try to put the two interviews together from Thursday and Friday to make it into one long interview. So you don't have to go to like a couple different web pages. But I wasn't joking when I said some really fascinating stuff. We touched on a lot of minutia. We touched on things that are looking at CMS as a whole. We did micro and macro and personnel and the future and things that have happened in the past. We just touched on a lot. And again, I want to thank Dr. Crystal Hill for allowing me such um, unprecedented access, to be perfectly honest with you. So again, thanks a lot to her and thanks a lot for CMS for helping put all this together.
But when we come back, massive, massive changes going on over at Spectrum Center over the next 18 to 20 months. We'll figure out what's going on and why it's going on. But right now, let's swing on over to the WBT Newsroom with Keith Young.